0: Our scripture reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 2, verse 5, and our sermon is titled today, Jesus, Our Wisdom, Our Power. This is the Lord's Word. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believed. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith, your faith, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. One more time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you, August. Um, what a joy to be here today on a Sunday morning worshiping God. Uh, what a joy it is to be with brothers and sisters and to look upon your faces and see in some of you weariness, some of you concern, to see some of you really battling well with the Lord and the faith that he's given you. It's some of you are just on the edge of unbelief, it seems. But you're here. God's love, God's power draws you. The spirit that lives in you testifies with your own spirit, as Romans says. And pushes you through his word through encouragement of brothers and sisters, to follow the one who loves you. We're here today not because we have strength on our own, not because we have wisdom on our own, but God calls us to him. So I pray today during the service, that the Lord would refresh you, that the Lord would demonstrate to you once again that the power of the gospel, the power of Christ, indeed is all that you need. And may His strength give you the courage to live as becomes a follower of God. I have a question for you Are you a Jew? Or are you a Greek? Now the obvious answer is is no one here is Jewish. No one here is Greek. But this question is a valid question when we look at this passage uh, in 1 Corinthians. Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, which is a church of very, how should I say, very uh, cosmopolitan city. Corinth is an isthmus, and a lot of trading happened there. And people from all over the world would sail and would, and would buy things and sell things. And people would come to the harbors, and, and you would see philosophers and speakers and just sitting up there, just espousing what they believed about what is truth, what is meaning, what is life. This was the YouTube of the day. This is where you went to sort of hear opinions. And these opinions were not about fashion, not about sports, but what people were dying to hear of what is the meaning of life. Why are we here? Every Greek philosopher, every religious guru was there trying to convince people that they had the answer. Now, the Corinth church was interesting. They had come to know the Lord. But but after they came to know the Lord, they themselves sort of fell into this trap of wanting to be this cosmopolitan church in such a way that they wanted to hear other speakers speak about what is wisdom. They wanted to see more of the demonstration of, of the power of, of God or, or the power of the church or, or the power of, of, of people demonstrating that the truth of what they say is real. And they had forgotten about Jesus. They have forgotten about the simple gospel. You see, there are two kinds of people in the church. There were those who were Jewish in nature. And as you remember, Jewish people, during the time of Jesus' ministry, was looking for power. Demonstrations of miracles. Jesus, you show me a miracle to prove to me that you are the Son of God. Jesus, you show me that you can raise this temple up after we destroy it. And I will come to believe that you are sent by God. The Jewish people were looking for demonstrations of power. Oftentimes we, as a church and as God's people, we often do the same thing. Instead of relying upon Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us, we want to see more of God's power in our lives. We want to see something that's miraculous in our lives, to prove to us, to show to us that Jesus is real. We want more miracles. We want something more than simply the death and the resurrection of Christ. Demonstrable power. Where is it? Where is it? Perhaps some of us are waiting for God to change that one thing in our lives. And then I'll see you as my Lord, as my Savior. Lord, this this one job that I need, this one relationship at work, this issues of money I have in my life, Demonstrate to me that you are powerful here. And I'll come to believe in you. For some of us, we're more like Jewish people. We need to see miracles above and beyond what Christ has done to grow in our love for him. Some of us are more like Greeks. Greeks searched for wisdom. They loved elocution. They loved to hear good argumentations. They loved to hear a good story. They loved to hear people weaving truths and fables together. And for some of us, our desire is to hear a message. is beyond just simple truths, but something that's weaved together in such a way that makes us go aha. Or in our world today, our world today is basically a world of tweets. We're looking for that one tweet. Or we're looking for that one Facebook sort of message that has like three sentences and go "That's, that's truth. You know I often think when I some of these younger people out there and when I listen to them have conversations I feel like they're just sending out tweets to one another but just vocal (laughs) and they're like oh yeah that was deep back and forth back and forth and there's a desire to hear wisdom one liners that sort of impresses our hearts We're like the Greeks, and most of us are probably a little bit of both. You might come here today thinking, Lord, I need a sign from you. I'm here at this church today because I need a sign from you. Or Lord, I'm here today because I need to hear those exact words from you. But Paul says something different. Paul says the wisdom of this world, the power that we're looking for, that is beyond what is promised and taught in the scriptures and the gospel, cannot save you, and actually will hinder you in your walk with God. What does Paul say? There there are three things here. There are three sort of passages here that, that we can look at to see how Paul speaks with the church in Corinth. First, he talks about the fact that what Christ is and what Christ has taught is completely contrary to what the Corinthian church idolized. The fact that Jesus Christ is crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentile is something that's completely antithetical to the world's teachings. Completely antithetical to the way that the Greeks taught and completely antithetical to the way that we're looking for power. When Jesus came, even the Jews, when they saw the power of God, remember what happened. Even when you see a miracle, it does not cause you to believe. If miracles actually caused people to believe, there'd be many more people who've come to know Christ. But even the Jewish people, when they saw the miracles of God, did not believe. We simply go back to the Old Testament. And we look at the Old Testament, we see all the great miracles that the prophets have done. Do you remember, remember the, the miracle of Mount Karma with, with Elijah? He challenges the, the other prophets of Baal and says, Listen, my God is greater than your God. What I want you to do is call down fire from Baal and let's see your fire. And they prayed and prayed and prayed, and no fire. Elijah said, "What? Well, pour water here. Pour some more water. Pour some more water. Pour some more water." And he calls down fire from heaven. What happens? There's fire. You might think you would believe when you saw that. You might think that your heart would change if you saw that. But we know that the Israelites. Their hearts did not change. They actually walked away. For us, if we're looking for miracles, and for God to do things for us to prove that he is God beyond what he's already done, it still will not be satisfactory for you. And it never will be. God has said to you, I have given you my son, Jesus his life, his death, his resurrection, his presence by the Holy Spirit in you is the only miracle that you need. And it's the only miracle that I promise to provide. And it's the only miracle that can change your hearts to love me. I wish, I so wish that my heart was not that fickle. I wish that when God gave me something good, something powerful, that my heart would grow in sanctification and holiness just like this, but it doesn't. What happens to me is what happens to you. You get good news the first five, ten minutes. You say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And the next rest of your days, your weeks, your years, you forget. God knows that miracles in your life are not sufficient for you to grow in him. And so for us to seek for miracles and changes in our lives, simply to make our lives more comfortable or better, it's not sufficient for us to grow in the Lord. Think of it this way. God has given you his son Jesus Christ. Right? He should be more than enough. The only miracle that you ever need. What if, let's say, you're married? Okay? Husbands, let's say you're married. Well, no, you are married, you're a husband. And you go to your father-in-law, and you go, or you go to your mother-in-law, your in-laws, and you say, Thank you so much for raising such a wonderful daughter. I'm so happy with her being married. Um, could you give me a little bit more? Could you give me some, some something extra? They would look at you and go, what, what do you what do you mean What do you mean well she's she's perfect, but I don't know. You know Could you give me a house Could you I I don't know, could you change her a little bit so that she's more a little bit more than perfect? And they would look at you and go, What do you mean? I've given you my daughter. She's everything that you need. There's no thing, nothing more I can give to you. This is everything. She is who she is. When God says to you, I have done a miracle, I have laid down my life for you, I have given myself to you, I've demonstrated my power by by raising my son from the dead for you to take away your sins and to give you and clothe you righteousness, God is saying to us, there's nothing more I need to do. All I have is Christ. No more, and certainly not less. This is what God has done for us. We do not need any more demonstrations of power, we do not need to look for miracles. See that God's strength is demonstrated to us in the weakness of Jesus at the cross and what he has done. Look around you. Jesus says that not many of you in the church of Corinth were, what was he say, were of world, worldly standards wise, powerful, or of noble birth. I want you to look around you. There is no one here. (laughs) There's no one here, with strength, and with power. By worldly standards, is enough. In fact, I was listening to NPR yesterday, and there was this interview about this Harvard graduate. He went to his 25th year anniversary, and he said something like this. He said, "I went to the. I went to the. I was at the uh, reunion." And here are people who worked in the Obama administration. Here are people who are captains of industry. And all of them, every single one of them, were insecure about who they were. Can you believe it, he said? These are Harvard (laughs) graduates. First of all, there is no power in this world. Second of all, even if if we had that power, we count it as nothing or as loss compared to the weaknesses that we see here. We must praise God that when we look at one another, that we don't measure each other up like the Corinth church did in terms of who has stature, who has the degrees who has the money, but we look at each other simply as what? As people who are weak and people who have been saved by the gospel. We look at each other and we look at each other as people who are in Christ and nothing more. When our eyes gaze at one another and see each other, we don't measure them up. By anything else, except here is a man, here is a woman looking to grow in the gospel, <coughs> who may be suffering, but is still beloved, loved by him. Man, my outline is out the window right now. Um Second of all, not by strength, but also wisdom as well. God says here that that not only is the power of God and his resurrection and what he's done, that anything else that we look for has nothing to do with what God has already done, but also the wisdom that we look for in this world. That the wisdom in this world looks at, the, looks at Jesus and his death, his resurrection, as folly, as foolishness. And I really want to impress that upon you. There is no wisdom in this world that looks like Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. In our world today, we, we so sanitize that we, we so sanitize that, that, that everyone can say, Jesus dying on the cross, that is so cool. You're a Christian, that is so cool. Man, let's go and hang out together. You're a Christian, that is so cool. But the wisdom of the cross, think about it. First, we believe in the God who's three persons in one. Where does that come from? Secondly, we believe that the only way that humanity can be saved is that the second person of the Trinity becomes flesh. Thirdly, we believe that it's Jesus' blood, the blood of God, that washes away Think about that. Think about this. We believe that all people deserve eternal punishment. That all people deserve eternal death. That all people deserve to suffer because they've sinned against God. And we believe that the only way that people can be reconciled to God It's if God saves them. And then by the faith he's given you, you recognize Jesus as your Savior. Go say that to your friends now. Go tell the world that this is actually the Jesus I believe. Go tell them and say, yeah, you know, what you say about Jesus, it's actually kind of wrong. He's not just a nice guy. The world does not see the cross and Jesus as something reasonable. It's foolishness. And if we can't see that, we can't experience that, we'll never experience the full wisdom and power of God himself. The more you sanitize Jesus into the wisdom of this world, the less powerful and wise Jesus becomes the more you sanitize him, the less you actually read God's word and, and, the, and the more you'll read things that are Christian-like. And the more you read stuff that are Christian-like, again, the less wisdom and less power there is in that. There's an antithesis that is inherent in knowing Jesus in the wisdom of Jesus and in the wisdom of the world. And we as believers in God must embrace what he's given to us. Some of you really like to read Christian books. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you really like to read Christian quotes. Nothing wrong with that. But I urge you, the more and more you start reading other things besides the Bible, the more and more your flesh and your mind will start reading things that you want to read and hear things that you want to hear. The more and more you read Scripture and the wisdom of God, the more and more you'll see things that you don't want to see, hear things that you don't want to hear. But isn't that what God should be? Shouldn't God be something that we can't, someone we can't comprehend? Shouldn't God's thoughts be so lofty that we ourselves get confused? Shouldn't God's thoughts be so challenging that it shakes us to the core? Shouldn't we have to go to the Lord in prayer and go, I don't understand this? Why? Why in the Old Testament did all these people have to die the way they died? God, I don't understand. Why? God, why do you say that that there are people who are destined to not believe in me? Why? But to trust in the wisdom of God and in the wisdom of Scripture. You see, to the world the weakness of the cross and the strength of the cross is a stumbling block. To the world, the wisdom of Jesus and of scripture is foolishness. And for us as God's people, we must keep that chasm in order for us to experience the fullness of the true power of Jesus in us and the true wisdom of Jesus in us as well. Lastly, Paul's own personal experience. Paul, he, he, was a, he was a scholar. He was definitely a scholar. Um, he definitely knew Hebrew, definitely knew Aramaic, and he definitely knew Greek. At least those three languages. Um, you know that in, in Acts, when, when, uh, when, when, when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he became a follower of Christ, that Paul disappeared to Arabia for several years. And people wondered what he did in Arabia for those several years. Well, what I think he did is he actually sat in Arabia and studied the Old Testament, trying to figure out who is Jesus according to the Old Testament scriptures. What is going on here? So this was a bright man. You read the, the book of Romans. It's not an easy book to read. He was a very, very bright man. But he understood that with all his erudition, that it counted as nothing. Compare simply to the simple gospel that Jesus came and died for sinners like you and me. That God chose the weak, like you and me, to shame the strong. God chose the least eloquent. God chose the least powerful. Still good looking, but least powerful. So that the glory of Jesus may be seen in us. Several things to encourage all of you. One, remember when Jesus came. Remember, Jesus did not come boasting of who he is. Jesus came as a humble man. Jesus' wisdom came only from God himself and from the scriptures that he read and would quote. Jesus laid down his life in weakness. Which to the Greeks and to many people is not a demonstration of power. The message of the cross is very simple. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Many of you probably came to know Jesus when you were a a youth. Maybe 10, 11, junior high. Don't tell me that you were wise then. Don't tell me you were powerful then. God was gracious to you. As you get older, don't despise the innocence of your youth. Don't despise the fact that you think that oh, I didn't think through this enough. Don't despise any of that. But be grateful. The Lord came to you in a demonstration of power. Secondly, boast in Christ, not in your weakness. Boast in Christ and not in your weakness. There's this thing in this world today that people really like to sulk. I don't know why why that is. People really like to sulk. People really like to say, woe is me. They like to brood. Like, man, life is hard. And there's Christian brooding too. Man, this life is really bad. I can't wait till Jesus comes back. Yeah, we're going to suffer for a while. You know, just wait till Jesus comes back. Yeah. Where, where does this come from? Where does this come from? That's not boasting your weakness. Sulking is still pride, believe it or not. You're still boasting yourself. When he says boasting your weakness here, it's, it's not sulking and brooding. But in our weakness, we boast in Christ. In your weakness and sufferings, you boast in Jesus. My prayer for many of you is when you are going through difficult times and you feel weak, when you are going through difficult times and you feel like there's no wisdom or words that can make you feel better, that you just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm lost, but you are the power of God. You are the wisdom of God. And in you, I find my rest. Don't worry if it doesn't seem, quote-unquote, reasonable to the world Don't worry if it seems quote-unquote looks weak to the world. It should look weak. It should look foolish. But to you who know God, it is your strength. It is your wisdom. Praise be to God who loves us so, so much that there is no prerequisite to come to know Jesus. You do not need to be noble. You do not need to be Really smart. You just need to come as you are. And the Lord will show him to you, show himself to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There's no one like you. And Lord, we ask of you, Lord, to be our wisdom, to be our power. Lord God, we, we confess that we look at two other places. We say we know you, we say, Jesus, we love you, we say Jesus, and we say all the right things, Lord God, but we're looking for a demonstration of power in other places. And we're even looking at looking for it from you. We're looking for wisdom in other places, Lord God. We, we are a people who, who really don't read your word, who really don't savor your word. We look for other people and their quips and sayings. And even if it's Christian, Christian-like, Lord God, we, we understand, Lord, that we hear things we want to hear. And Lord, many of that leads to simply conviction of us nodding our heads saying, oh yeah. But change, well, that's a different story. We need to come to you. We thank you, Lord God, that you have saved us through grace. That the power of God is changing us from glory to glory. And we ask of you to do that and continue to do that for our church for Christ's covenant, that we may may be a demonstration of your wisdom and power. In his name we pray. Amen.